Welcome to Remnant Radio. Glad to have you listening. We're here to share Jewish testimonies about trusting in Yeshua, also known as Jesus. Our focus is to the Jew first and also the Gentile, because God has not rejected his people and has made the two one new man. Now, here are your hosts for Remnant Radio, Joseph Trocchio and Howard Somerville. Thanks, Eric. That was Eric Harthen, Metro Detroit uh, voice actor. Welcome again to Remnant Radio. It's the time when you will hear the hearts of Jewish believers in Yeshua, also known as Jesus, tell their stories of trust in the Messiah. Our hope is that you will be encouraged to do the same. I'm here with my brother in Christ, Howard Somerville, and together along with our faithful Messianic Jewish friend, Israel Cohen, tonight, he also welcomes you. And in just a little bit, I'll give you a, just a brief bio, a brief bio of, uh, of Israel, and then, um, uh, and then we'll get into the podcast and the interview. Howard, you want to say hello to everybody? Sure. Uh, hello, everybody. Hi. Oh, <laughs> wrong person. That's all right. Oh, there's <laughs> a problem. I hear my voice echoing. No problem. No problem, Israel. Howard, you want to say hello again? Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Remnant Radio, those who will be listening to the broadcast. And I will be doing an impression tonight of myself. Thank you, Howard. All right. Israel Cohen has uh, committed his life to communicating the gospel of Jesus to the Jewish people. He was raised in a conservative Jewish home in Philadelphia. He attended he attended traditional Hebrew school at eight years of age and at, at the age of 13, he had his bar mitzvah. After his bar mitzvah, Israel terminated his Jewish religious education. After high school, he joined the U.S. Navy and was stationed in Morocco. It was there that a Gentile sailor introduced him to the Messiah. In 1973, 10 years after being discharged from the Navy and after having held a successful sales position, in the electronics field, Israel left the call. Israel felt the call for God to attend Bible college full time. While in Bible school, Israel gained extensive experience in Jewish evangelism and graduated from Northeastern Bible College in 1980 with a BA in biblical literature. Israel and his wife Judy, God bless her, joined Chosen People Ministry staff in 1978 and began their active ministry in the metropolitan Detroit. And uh, metropolitan New York and New Jersey areas, helping to establish Chosen People Ministries, exciting outreach in Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, where 150,000 Russian Jewish people reside. Using every means available, including tonight's Remnant Radio broadcast, uh, using every means available to spread the gospel, Israel's ministry included door-to-door witnessing, one-on-one evangelism, and a Russian book table on Brighton Beach Avenue, Brooklyn. In cold weather, Israel distributed evangelistic literature in area shopping malls and even reached commuters through a literature table in New York's Pennsylvania and Grand Central Railroad stations. As a result of these efforts, many unsaved Russian Jewish people have accepted Jesus as their Messiah and are currently being discipled under Chosen People Ministries' ongoing work in the New York and New Jersey areas. Israel and Judy have relocated to Florida and established and have established an effective outreach 
to the Jewish people there and here also. So we're glad to have Israel here. Israel, you want to say hi to the folks, the listeners? Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, it's glad. It's really. I'm glad you're here, and it's good to have you with us, Israel. Okay, so Israel and I met last year in Brooklyn during my first mission trip to Brooklyn. And the best thing I can tell you about Israel is that he's a blast. He loves Jesus. He's bold, and uh, he loves to worship. I remember standing next to him, or near him, watching him worship. And it, 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 was a, it was a real blessing. It, it's really good to have him with us. Israel, start telling us a little bit about your story. Yeah, sure, no problem. Thank you for having me, Joe. I really appreciate it. I uh, was born in Philadelphia many years ago, back in the 40s. I'm, a, I'm an old man, brother. <laughs> but uh, the Lord has been good to me. And uh, back in Philadelphia, I grew up in Philadelphia and... Um, uh, at the age of eight years old, I was part of the Cub Scouts, and uh, that's part of the Boy Scouts. I joined the Cub Scouts, and then I was in the Boy Scouts, and they had this magazine called Boys Life Magazine. And in that magazine, they had instructions for building a crystal radio, a crystal set. And I, I built that. I was so excited. I have been excited about, about technology since I was eight years old. And I'm still, I'm now 75, and I'm still excited about the newest technology. And the newest technology, and the technology back in the day, is one of the things that uh, uh, you, the Lord used to bring me to faith in Yeshua, in Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, I built that crystal radio, and it worked so good. Oh, it was so, I was in heaven, listening on my crystal radio, and I'd come home from school, and and then I learned from my, from the Boy Scout magazine, I learned about shortwave radio. And I built a shortwave radio, and I was able to listen on my shortwave radio all the time. And I kept hearing people talking about Jesus. Of course, you know, when you grow up Jewish in Philadelphia, the 40s and the 50s, one thing you know that there's the Jews and the Gentiles. So I said, well, that's for the Gentiles, and Jesus is for the Gentiles. And I listened anyway because I wanted to get confirmation that I heard the stations were shortwave radio stations. And they kept talking about Jesus, and I said, that's not for me. But little did I know, that was the way the Lord was using to pre-evangelize me. So all kind of ways, you know, you may be talking to someone about the Lord for years, and you don't realize that the little things that they're saying, once they come to a point where they're considering these matters, they say, oh yeah, he said this, or I remember that. And then, while I was listening on the short wave, I had neighbors across the street. They, they, they were Gentiles in Philadelphia, the, the, where I was in Northeast Philadelphia. They had um, Gentiles on one side of the street, and the side that I was on was, uh, was Jewish. And uh, one of those uh, families, his mother would always say, Jesus died for your sins. I said, yeah, but I'm Jewish. Jesus died for your sins, and I, I kept hearing it. So later on, when I heard, I remembered that, uh, that, that they kept saying that, and they kept telling me that Jesus died for my sins. So I said, oh, these poor Gentiles, they worship statues, and they, they, they don't really, they, they don't believe in God, the real God, we believe in spirit, you know, so we don't want to believe in Jesus, he's for the Gentiles. Well, 
at the age of 13 years old, eight years old, I was preparing for my bar mitzvah along with my shortwave and my, my radio and my technology out the time. Excuse me. Is, Israel, can I say something? If I don't yeah, say, sure, it, brother. If I don't say anything now, I'm going to forget it. But I, it's just it's just too cool. You heard the gospel with from a crystal radio, whatever, 50-some years ago, and now here you are using internet radio to share the gospel. Is that amazing or what? It's the way the Lord is working. I know. It's amazing what God is doing. You know, one of the signs of the end times, Joe, is that knowledge will increase. Hmm. And you know how knowledge has increased? It's from the internet. You could, anything you want. I, I had a 15-year-old friend of mine. You know what he said? He said, anything you want to know is just a Google click away. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. And you know what? <laughs> That's amazing. And so, yeah, here we are using technology to continue to share the Jewish good news, like I like to call it, the yeah. gospel of yep. Jesus. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so, sorry for interrupting, Israel. Go ahead. No it, problem. Can I, wait a minute. Wait, one more thing. One more thing. And I say this with great love and respect and affection. But I think you have a nickname. Is that right? Oh, yeah. It, it, can, I guess, can I guess it? Yeah, go ahead. Is it Izzy? It's Izzy. As a matter of fact, it's Uncle Izzy. Ah, Uncle Izzy. Okay. So can I call Can I call you Uncle Izzy? You can call me anything you want except late for dinner, brother. All right. All right. <laughs> Go ahead, bro. All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'd like, I'm sorry. To, I'd like to just mention something very interesting. Uh, when I was born, I was Alan Benjamin Cohen. Uh, Al Cohen. I said, wait a minute. Al Cohen, huh? Okay. Well, you know what happened to me? Uh, after I was eight days old, right? I had circumcised eight days old, and you get your, your Hebrew name? Yeah. Well, my Hebrew name in Yiddish is Yisroel. See, that's my Hebrew name. So my grandmother would always call me Yisroel, and when I was in Hebrew school, they called me Yisroel. But when I was in the Navy, and I want to share a little more about that in the next few minutes, but when I was in the Navy, and when I was um, in high school, in elementary school, I was Al Cohen, see? But when I when I went into the ministry, I said, you know, I think what I ought to do is change my name legally to my Hebrew name. That's I am awesome. Now Israel Cohen for many, many, many years. But nickname, everybody calls me Izzy, and I do camp. I do a lot of camps with the eight to ten year old boys, messing up to his camp, and they all call me Uncle Izzy. So Joe, you can call me Izzy anytime you want. You know what? It's got to be. It's got to be the greatest name ever, Israel Cohen. I mean, it's beautiful. It's it's great. All right. So go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Israel. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I was. That's okay. No problem, brother. I was. I grew up, and there's folks across the street. They were saying, "Jesus died for your sins." I said, "Oh, there's poor Gentiles. You know, they worship statues, and they they don't believe in, in the real God, and they believe in statues." So I had my bar mitzvah at the age of 13 years old in Philadelphia. Some of you, your listeners, might know this, that the name of my synagogue was called Beth Emmet. Beth Emmet. That means the house of truth. And many years later, I found out that my synagogue didn't have the truth. because my rabbi, he told me, never believe in Jesus. I never read the New Testament. That's a Gentile book, and Jesus is for the Gentiles. I found out he's really Jewish, and his name is Yeshua, and Jewish Messiah. But... Uh, so I had my bar mitzvah at the age of 13. We moved to New Jersey in 1956. And I went to high school in New Jersey, South Jersey. It's now called Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And in 1960, I 
joined the Navy right out of high school. Friday, I was in high school, and on Monday, I was in the Navy. And uh, when you go, when I joined the Navy, it's the first time in my life I was ever away from my mother and father. Mm. I, w- I was in a big drill hall in Great Lakes, Illinois, and they shaved my head. And uh, I, was, I was one of the only Jewish guys around there. And then they take all your clothes off, and they take they shave your head, and then you go through the lines to get your uniform. At the end of the line, they ask you this question. I don't know if they do this in the Navy anymore today, but they ask this question. Catholic, Protestant, or Jewish? And they give you a Bible to put in your sea bag and take it with you. So I had my, my Tanakh, as we call it, the Jewish scriptures. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, your listeners may not know this, you may not, may not understand some of this, but you know, most Jewish people... Uh, that grow up, even religious, they don't really sit down and read the Bible. You know, I had my bar mitzvah, and I knew how to pronounce the Hebrew, but I didn't know what I was reading. You know, uh, I, I found out, of course, that real believers in the Messiah and real Christians, they, they not only read the Bible, but they study the Bible, and I've done that for many, many years now, and you go verse by verse. But I had my Bible, I said, well, I don't know what, what good it was. It's a Bible, you know. Maybe it'll be... Uh, Really, like a lucky charm or something. Maybe it'd be like a rabbit's foot, you know? A uh, maybe like my grandmother's chicken matzo ball soup. That was so good, and she said it for sick. You take some matzo ball soup. I said, well, I hope. She said it couldn't hurt, you know. <laughs> okay, so I had my Bible with me, and, and then the bullet will come and hit the Bible, <laughs> and I'll be safe. Uh, but but I had my Bible with me, and I wound up after boot camp in Great Lakes, Illinois. I wound up of all places in. North Africa, in Morocco, hmm. North Africa. I was in the Navy, on a Navy base there, and on that base, they had a Bible study group. I didn't know what a Bible study group was or anything, you know. You know, Jewish people don't sit down, well, let's have some Bible study, and <laughs> we didn't do that. And one night, see, I, I was away from my mother and father, and first time in my life, and I was going to be a real sailor, so... I, I was smoking cigarettes. Of course, they said real sailors smoke cigarettes. I was coughing like crazy. Uh, real sailors drink whiskey and beer, and I, I had, well, I better do that because I want to be a real sailor. But I wasn't enjoying it at all. I thought it was like a, something that maybe Gentiles or someone else, they enjoy it, but I wasn't enjoying it. But I didn't want to, I don't want them to think I'm a sissy, you know, a real sailor. But one night when I was sober and I wasn't doing any bad stuff and that I shouldn't be doing at all, one of those sailors from that Bible study group came up to me and said, you're Jewish. I said, yeah. He said, can you teach me about being Jewish? Teach me about being Jewish. Okay, well, there was Adam and Eve. Well, they weren't exactly Jewish. But said, oh, there was Abraham. He was one of our guys. And so he said to me, he said, do you have a Bible? And I remembered that I got that Bible when I joined the Navy, my, my Jewish scriptures. So he said, let me see your Bible. And he looked at my Bible, and he turns to Isaiah chapter 53. I'll never forget this. It was so incredible. He opened it up and said, read here. I started reading Isaiah 53 from my, my Bible they gave me in the Navy. I said, wait a minute. They made a mistake. This is, this is a new, this sounds like those guys on the radio talking about Jesus. This sounds like my neighbor across the street. This sounds like Jesus. This is not good. They gave me a New Testament by mistake. He said, no, take a look. It's by the Hebrew Publishing Company. Hebrew Publishing Company. What is Jesus? What's Jesus doing in my Bible? That's just crazy. This is this has got to be a different wrong Bible. And he said, no, that's your Bible. 
and that's talking about your Messiah, my Messiah, really, yeah. Would you like to read about that in the New Testament? And I told him, I can't do that. He said, why not? My rabbi told me, never read the New Testament. I never believe in Jesus, forget that. No, that's not, that's not for me. I can't read the New Testament. Well, I was afraid, you know, I was really scared. I thought that lightning was going to strike me. And he said, look, the rabbi told you not to read it. Look, I'll make a deal with you. If you don't tell your rabbi that you read the New Testament, I won't tell him either. I looked around, I said, oh, this is crazy. I said, okay, but I was scared. And he turns to John chapter 3. The first thing I ever read in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, was John chapter 3. And I read about a man by the name of Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. I said, wait a minute. What is the ruler of the Jews doing in the New Testament? I thought this was like a book that takes place in Rome with popes and stuff. And I heard about like John the Baptist. He must be a Baptist. And I heard about St. Paul and St. Peter. And, and how can any of those guys be Jewish? And I guess what I found out, they're all Jewish. <laughs> it's the most Jewish book I ever read. Mm. He said, let's read the first chapter, the third chapter of uh, John. I'm reading the third chapter of John. And I got up to the part where, where Jesus tells uh, Nicodemus, he must be born again. And uh, the man be born again, shall no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. And then John 3.16, which became so important to me in my life, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. That was May 16th, 1961. And he wanted me to, to pray with him, to like believe in Jesus. But uh, I wasn't too sure about this. I told me that, see, I was making pretend like I was enjoying my life, but enjoying that, the, the beer, the whiskey and the beer and the women and all that. But he said, you don't have to make pretend. You believe in Jesus and he'll come in and seal you and the, the Holy Spirit will come in. I don't know. He talked about the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> But I, I just said, I knew I didn't want to live this way anymore. And I knew that he said, if I believe in Jesus, I'll forgive me for all my sins, and I'll have a relationship with God. And so he gave me his New Testament, and he underlined certain portions in there in John 3 and a few other passages. And then I went to bed. But I couldn't fall asleep. I kept thinking, I, do I have to? I need to believe in Jesus. And I was, it was a barracks, a big barracks. And if I turned the light on at 3 o'clock in the morning, you can't turn the light on or you'll be in major trouble. So I covered my whole head with a blanket and had a light on the side of the wall there. I had it just on the inside the blanket, like a tent. And I was reading his verses from the New Testament. And I, I said, Lord, uh, I, Jesus, are you here? You know? And I see, I remember I prayed in Hebrew. Yeah, I just prayed, uh, and I didn't know how to pray uh, in English. And I said, if you're here, I want to believe in you. And I went to bed and I fell asleep. Oh, man. I woke up the next morning. Something absolutely incredible happened to me. I was so peaceful, so joyful. I was running like a crazy person, one end of the barracks to the other. He told me, if I believe in Jesus, I'm going to be saved. And I wasn't sure what that meant exactly, but I kept running from one end of the barracks to the other. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And he pulled me into his cubicle. He stuck his hand down. What would you say? Well, I told Jesus I want to believe in him. Hey, guys, come here. Let's pray for Israel. Pray for Israel. Alan at the time, of course. But pray for Israel. And they put their hands on me and they're praying and, and they're thanking God for my salvation. I'm thinking, oh, I think I made a mistake. These guys are strange. But they, then they said, we're having Bible study. you got to come to Bible study with us. Bible study. Now I'm going to a movie and they're in the, go to a movie. Uh, don't you want to go study the Bible? You're not a believer in Jesus. I said, no. Nah. So you know what they did? 
what they did was they said, look, guys, let's all go to the movie with Israel. Oh. And then afterwards, <laughs> afterwards, we'll have Bible study. <laughs> so it was good. That was but awesome. If they didn't do that, I might not. Yeah, I might not have been discipled. And, and they did. Oh, it was wonderful. That's, and, uh, they, uh, had, it, yeah. Israel, that, that, that's amazing. I, I have to say something. I don't want to forget this. One thing that I learned over this past couple of years, spending time in the Messianic Jewish community, is the Isaiah 53 and the fact that it's not read in the synagogues. Is that right? Correct. That, that was the portion of Scripture that... Uh, I came to faith in Jesus, but I had never read it. And the synagogue, the rabbis do not, it's not part of the portion of the scripture. The rabbis don't let us read. That's exactly right. Yeah. And now that's, no. I mean, there's other portions that are not read, but that is a big one to miss, right? Absolutely. Right? That, that's very, just. Very, very significant. As a matter of fact, when I was out on the streets of New York one time, a number of years ago, a rabbi was giving me a little grief. You know, they have 3,000 years of church history that really messed things up really bad. We have to really, uh, really uh, re-educate our Jewish people to the fact that some people who call themselves Christians aren't really Christians. But this rabbi uh, was there, and I said, Rabbi, let me ask you a question. Why don't we read Isaiah 53 and 79? Why don't we do that? And he looked around to the right, looked to the left, and he said, Come here, son. He calls me over like on oh, like the side of the wall and like like his his office or something. You know, called me over. He didn't want anybody to hear him or something. So I'll tell you the truth. Listen, I'm afraid if they read that they might believe in Jesus. That's the wow. truth. Wow. The truth is they're hiding. And Daniel nine is another one they keep from the Jewish people. But Isaiah fifty three is so clear, speaking of Messiah. Wow. Hey but, Uncle Uncle Izzy, this is Howard. Well, you and I have never met personally, like you've met Joe, but I have met you through your uh, YouTube testimony, which is just awesome, and I have texted that to so many individuals in our family. They are just so impressed with that. But I'm wondering if I can ask you a question. Sure, Howard. You come to Christ, go home. Did you tell your family right away? Did they... Exactly what happened when you you went home and, and they found out or you told them? Well, I came to, to faith um, in May uh, 16, 1961, and uh, I know this is kind of hard to believe we're in the 21st century, but we didn't have internet, we didn't have uh, chat, uh, text message or any of that. So I was in Morocco doing old school writing letters. <laughs> so I wrote a letter to my father, and I told him, all the wrong stuff. I wasn't discipled, I wasn't educated, and the Gentiles that that, uh, that led me to faith in, in Jesus, they didn't know how to do it correctly either. So this, this is the wrong way to do it. So I wrote a letter to my father, and I said in the letter, Dad, I believe in Jesus Christ. He's the Jewish Messiah, and he died for our sins, and if you don't believe in him, you're going to hell. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I think I, I didn't handle that correctly back then. That was 55 years, 56 years ago. But he he pretended like he never got the letter. Uh, you know, basically is what happened. And everything was fine. And, you know, it's amazing. I'm so used to being in touch with people all the time. Like, I, if I need to get someone, hold on, I'll send them a text. You know, boom, boom, boom. Within two seconds, I can be in touch with someone if they're in Israel, if they're, if they're in California, if they're here in Florida. Wherever they are, I can just get them right away. 
But back then, you didn't, you know, weeks went by, you wouldn't know uh, information what was going on. You know, and God forbid you should call, make a phone call from Morocco to, to Philadelphia. That would cost you 50 bucks or something. It was crazy. So in 1964, Howard, I got out of the Navy. And when I got out of the Navy, I backslid pretty bad. I wasn't walking with the Lord. And um, my father was pleased. And he said, well, it didn't affect him. Jesus wasn't. That's no big deal. Hmm. And that's the response I originally got. But, see, I was getting sick. I was really getting sick. And, and see, I, I, I made a big mistake. In, re, in reality, it wasn't a mistake. It was the right thing to do. I memorized a lot of scripture before I backslid. If you, see, I'm, this is for all the listeners, for everybody. We've got to remember, if you're going to backslide, don't memorize any scripture. The Lord will, 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 will come after you. The Lord won't leave you alone. You'll be under conviction all the time. It was terrible. I was just under conviction. I knew I was I was running away from the Lord. I wasn't walking with the Lord because I was back home with my parents. So my father sends me to the Jewish doctor. And uh, I told Doc, I said, Doc, now listen, you see, I'm Jewish, but I believe in Jesus, you see. And the trouble is, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not walking with the Lord. See, and this, the fact that I'm sick, I'm really not sick. It's just symptoms, because if I got it back together with the Lord, I would be better. Oh, this Jewish doctor wanted me to go to a psychiatrist. So for wow. sure, I was definitely crazy. And I said, doctor, you don't understand? No. So I told my father, I'm never going back to a doctor again. My father had gotten me a job with a friend of his in sales and electronics. They decided what my problem was. My problem was I needed to meet a nice Jewish girl. <laughs> if I met a nice Jewish girl, everything would be fine. So, my boss takes me aside one night and took me out to dinner and says, call this girl up, Judy Bear, give her a call. You've got to forget about Jesus. You can't talk to, about Jesus in the office because uh, we're Jewish and we don't believe in Jesus. So, you don't talk about Jesus in the office. I thought, okay, I won't talk about Jesus in the office. So, I went out with Judy. I, she was a blind date. Now, she's been healed. It's okay. <laughs> and the truth about it is, <laughs> she, she, she was a blind date. But, uh, uh, that's so a good one. I went out. I, I, it took me a minute yeah. to get that, but I get it. Okay, you know, I want to make sure we uh, <laughs> get a little uh, understanding of how this works. So anyway, so Judy and I, we went out once on a date, went out twice on a date. The third date, uh, I told her, look, I can't go out with you anymore. She, I believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus? I'm Jewish. You're crazy. And she took me home. She took her home. And her mother, her mother um, said, look, that wasn't very nice, you know, just uh, tell him he's a nice guy and tell him that, uh, just forget about Jesus and he'll listen to you. And so he, she called me up, you're a nice guy and I like going out with you, but can you forget about Jesus? I said, okay. And I said, okay, and we went out. That was 1965, by, that was January. By March, I asked her to marry me. Oh, was I under conviction? She said, okay, but you got to promise me you'll never believe in Jesus again. Uh-oh. I said, okay, I promised her. And he said, you got to promise me that you'll uh, get mar married by my rabbi. Okay, we'll get married by your rabbi. And you got to promise me you'll throw all your Bibles and all your Gentile literature in the garbage. Uh-oh. I said, okay. And she said, that's not enough. She came up. We look at each other today. And we say, how in the world did this happen? It's like the dream scene. Like, this really happened? But she came over to my house, and she grabbed one handle of a big trunk with all my Christian literature and my Bibles in it, and the other handle, and we watched the trash truck take it away. It wasn't until the trash truck took it away that she would agree to marry me. Okay, that's how we started off our marriage in 1965, November the 28th. But it's now fast forward. 
the Lord would not leave me alone. And by September the 20th, 1970, I was under such conviction, had been reading the Word, had been walking with the Lord, that I was an outside salesman and driving, and I, I was bored. I said, Lord, if I'm really saved, and Yeshua, Jesus is really the Messiah. I didn't even know who Yeshua was at the time. And Jesus is really the Messiah. I want a Bible right now. If you give me a Bible right now, I'll walk with you. I'll read the Bible. Whether Judy comes to faith or not, I pray you say, Judy. Well, I wiped the tears off my eyes. I looked up. I was parked in front of a Christian bookstore. Oh, you want me to buy a Bible? Oh, no. Come on, Izzy. Are you serious? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I couldn't believe it. That's exactly what happened. And I go into that store, and that lady in back of the counter, I told her the story. And she comes around the front of the counter and puts her, her hands on my shoulders. So I was praying for me that I would get back together with the Lord. You saved my dear wife, helping to reach his Jewish people for the Messiah. Get him into Bible college like he should have been back in 1964. And uh, every single thing that she prayed came true. It was incredible. So she's going to give me this big... Bible, you know, big King James. I said, wait a minute, no, you don't understand. Judy doesn't know I'm reading the Bible. You better give me a little one. It's like seven point type. I need like a magnifying glass to read it today. But I read it every day. I hide it from my wife. Fast forward. It's now the summer of 1970. And my wife didn't never knew that I was reading the But Judy never knew I was reading the Bible. And I said, Judy, you better sit down. We've got to talk. i got to go to church. Go to church? Yeah, I've been reading the Bible. Reading. Hello, mother. She calls her mother up. Mother, I'm getting a divorce. No, 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 divorce is just, just uh, okay. He's became a Gentile. That's forget about it. Let him go to church. And my mother will save our marriage and more than once. It's <laughs> pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, some people, they call it, a, uh, instead of a mother-in-law, they call it an outlaw. But this is not my mother-in-law saved our marriage. And, and the thing is that now it's a whole new ballgame. Every Sunday morning, I'm going to church, Baptist Church in Philadelphia. I got Sunday school. Uh, 9 30, 11 o'clock, works for the service. Then I come home. Like Judy would go to her mother and father and have breakfast with them and talk about their Gentile son in law uh, and their locks and bagels. And, and, and then she'd come home and I meet her at the house. My mother will never want to see my face again. That was it. I was persona non grata. I didn't listen to them. I, I, I went against all the promises I made. And so I, tried, I took Judy out to lunch every Sunday. And, and try to tell her what they were preaching about at church, and she didn't want to hear it. And then I'd go back to church, and Sunday night, she would go out roller skating with a roller skating group in Philadelphia. And they had all kind of folks roller skating. I'm going to church. It's fast forward to October the 1st, 72. And I go to church at night. I'm, uh, Judy's going to go roller skating, and I went back to nighttime church, and Judy went to go to roller skating, and they said, oh, we don't go roller skating on Sunday night anymore. Don't go roller skating on Sunday night. Why not? We got it together with Jesus, and we go to church on Sunday night. You go to church on Sunday night. <laughs> so Judy went with this roller skating group to church at a different Baptist church in Philadelphia. Well, I'm at one. I come home. Normally, she was home way after me, but this time she was already home, and she said, you better sit down. I got to talk to you. Why? Oh, I got saved. You get what? You got saved? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems as though... She heard the word, and she prayed with one of the fellows there, and, and she came to faith in Jesus. Hello, Pastor Goodhart. That was the name of the pastor at the Baptist church we were going to. Pastor Goodhart, that's a great name for a pastor. pastor I told Pastor Goodhart, I said, Pastor Goodhart, thank you. You off the list for prayer for uh, salvation. See, every Wednesday night, she was her name was on the prayer list. Judy's going to get saved. We're claiming her salvation. She didn't have a chance, of course. You know, she was claiming her salvation. But he said, okay, we'll take her off the list. 
So she called her mother up, and that's it. No, we're not talking to you. So they didn't talk to either one of us now. <laughs> now, we're both, the other ones can never come back to the house. You're just going along with your husband. You don't, you don't really believe this stuff. Oh, yeah, she really believed this stuff. Two weeks later, she was immersed, baptized at the Barrow Baptist Church in Philadelphia. That's now December of 1972. September of 19, excuse me, December of 1972. And they had a missionary come to the church. And the missionary's name was Ruth Wardell. Come to find out that Ruth Wardell was a missionary with, with this mission, Chosen People Ministry, it used to be known as the American Board of Missions, IBMJ. And she brought a young lady by name of Kitty Simon with her and to give a testimony, Jewish believer, Ruth was Gentile, and she gave the testimony and she was talking. And afterwards, Pastor Goodhart introduced their Jewish believers, Israel and Judy, to Ruth Wardell and her Jewish friend, Kitty. So Kitty said to Judy and me, do you know who Joe Finkelstein is? Joe Finkelstein? No, who's Joe Finkelstein? I don't know. You don't know what's going on in West Philadelphia? We were living in Elkins Park, North, North Philadelphia. And no, I don't know what's going on. Well, they invited us to come to Joe Finkelstein's Bible study. And we went to Joe Finkelstein's Bible study in December of 1972 for the first time. I met Jewish believers. I thought I was the only Jewish person to believe this stuff. I thought this is a Gentile thing, and I let the Jews in, a few Jews in. I found out that's not true. So I met Joe Finkelstein. It's incredible revival was breaking out, and we got involved with the Messianic community, got involved with Messianic Judaism, and lots more to the story, but I'd like to maybe take a breath. <laughs> All right. Boy, that's amazing. That it, is just amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Israel, God bless you, brother. God bless you and Judy. Everything Amen. that you've done and everything that you do, amazing. Israel, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm not going to answer it. I, I want you to answer it. Why okay. do so many Jewish people not believe? Oh, that's a great that's a great uh, question. I want to remember to also mention what actually happened in the late sixties and early seventies that really was, was end times prophecy being fulfilled. But there's a reason why many Jewish people. It's really the real problem is church history, church history, and and what the church has done to the Jewish people for the last two thousand years. Uh, and the way they treat it. I don't know if you're familiar with, and, and our listeners should get to know, Dr. Michael Brown. Dr. Michael Brown wrote a big series on answering Jewish objections to the Messiah. But one of the greatest books that he, he, he ever wrote was a history of anti-Semitism in the church. It's called Our Hands Are Stained With Blood. I got the book, bro. Up on the, I have the book. I got the book, right? I don't even have to read. The, I don't even have to read the whole thing. Just the very beginning right. is enough. Right, exactly. It's very sad, and, very, and that's what happened. Our people look at, at so-called Christians. See, when I'm growing up, I heard the word Christian, and that that was synonymous with Gentile to me. Of course, I've learned a lot different than that. Real Christians love the Jewish people, and real Christians don't do those things. And uh, even talks, you know, we're coming up on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, and uh, Martin Luther and, and uh, Wittenberg Dorr and all that's involved there. But Martin Luther said some of the most disgusting, horrible, anti-Semitic things mm -hmm. about the Jewish people. And the Jewish people said, well, that's a Christian. And, and, and Hitler got some of his, his, his information from, from uh, Luther and, and others like that. It's just it's an incredible work of the enemy. It's an incredible work of the enemy. Absolutely. Unreal. Absolutely, Joe. Yeah. Unreal. Well, we need to work to change that. Yeah, that's what we're all about. 
That's yeah. what I'm about. And, and having to understand the truth of what's really involved. I, I you know, had no idea that, that the real faith, the real believers uh, are really grafted in hmm. you know, to the, the Jewish faith. You know, we have a name for real true Christianity. It, it, it's it's a, a real true Judaism, excuse me. You see, uh, it's called uh, Christianity. It's called uh, a real, real, the real faith. Because it's the fulfillment of all the prophecy, it's fulfillment of the whole thing, and uh, it's, it's just a un, unfortunately, uh, uh, Gentile brothers and sisters don't understand the the, the, the history and and the, the Jewish roots of our faith. And I'm that's one of the things I'm all about is teaching that stuff, and so we understand. You can, you you have my permission to repeat that two or three times. <laughs> you have my permission to repeat that two or three times because it's amazing. Very important. Yeah. To understand. You know, when I, yeah, it, it, just Gentiles don't even understand. There's some, some things in that are really very, very difficult to understand. It's people that will not even understand. They call it the Old Testament. Well, that's the Old Testament. And now we have, we're New Testament Christians, we're New Covenant Christians. And I was so surprised to understand when I first came to faith and then starting to really get involved with the Messianic movement in the early 70s that. Our faith is really Jewish. It's a Jewish faith. This is not some new idea. It wasn't like they're starting a new religion. Jesus yep. didn't come to start a new religion. Yeshua didn't start a new religion. God came in the flesh and, and, and fulfilled the prophecies of the coming Messiah. That, that's what it was all about. You know, what's, so, uh, what's interesting, and if you might want to just kind of comment on it, but the New Covenant communication in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 31, is so clear that the, the New Covenant is obviously... It was between Israel and Judah and God. And obviously, yeah. centuries later, Gentiles were, were grafted in. But the new covenant itself is rooted in, it's a, a covenant between God and the Jewish people. And it's clearly stated there in Jeremiah. It's just, it, it's there. I had a conversation Jeremiah, with Jeremiah 31 something. Right. And, 31, uh, 31, 36. Yeah. And what else is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it mentions in there, that the covenant is between Israel and Judah, and that covenant is new because the old one was broke. And I think that's in Jeremiah that's 31, right. right? So some people... Yeah, let me let me just take a moment. I'll read a little portion of Jeremiah 31, 31 and following. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. See, one of the objections I get to Jewish people believing in Jesus is they say, don't give me that new covenant business. Well, they don't read their own scriptures. It's right here. And you come with the house of Israel. I'm with the house of Judah. That's a Jewish people. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. Right. Stop, stop right there, Israel, because this is, this is a conversation I had the other day. This is really interesting is because people think that the new covenant was kind of meant for the church. I mean, I, it is, but... There's a certain order that's required, but the point is, is that that new covenant is specifically to the Jewish people because it says Amen. right there, it says right there, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and it's a new covenant, not the one that was broken at Sinai, correct? Isn't, isn't that the that's point? Correct. So, so there's, so it's, it's clearly a Jewish contract, <laughs> right? Amen. It's amazing. Absolutely. And there are those that say God's through with the Jewish people. And there's those that would espouse what we call replacement theology, which is really from the evil one. It's from the devil. It's yeah. not teachers. Anybody that has this idea that God's through with the Jews, 
or God's replacers, they need to read Romans 11. Paul himself says, I say, have they stumbled twice the fall? Certainly not. That's the Jewish people. But to their fall, to the provoke the Jewish people to jealousy, there's the Gentiles have a responsibility to make Jewish people jealous rather than defensive, rather than anti-Semitic. They got the whole, they got it backwards. Israel, you got to bring me to tears. The Gentiles have such a privilege to carry and give back to what was given to them. It, it's, it's, it, everything has come full circle. And, and, and that's it. For those right. that recognize it, it's, everything has come full circle. Amazing. Just, just and, amazing. Go, go Romans 11 is so important to understand. And, and Gentiles, especially Gentile listeners, even believers in Yeshua and Jesus, they have to understand they're grafted in. I, I have been, uh, been spending a lot of time. I, I don't, I'm amazed. The Lord just burdened my heart with something. Every time I go outside, I see trees. You ever see trees? There? And God created trees in the garden. He created trees. They're, they're just so incredible. God created this thing called a tree. It's like huge. Some, you know, I have such a large tree in my front lawn. I had to take it down because it was breaking up my foundation and my, my driveway, the roots and stuff. It was so big. It started out, I could put one hand around it. Now I couldn't even put two hands around it. It was so big. And the truth to the matter is, the Gentiles are grafted in against nature, but they're grafted in. It's not a Gentile thing, and they let the Jews in. It's a Jewish thing, and they let the Gentiles in, too. Yeah. Amen. And Amen. that's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Responsibility to make them jealous. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that I really wrestle with. I don't like that portion of scripture, but I get it. I understand. It just it's just it feels a little manipulative, but I understand. I understand what God's word is and what the whole whole concept is. It just feels, it just doesn't feel right. But I but I get it and I I agree with it and of course I believe it. But it's a it's an interesting statement. It's a blunt, blunt statement from Paul. And uh, just, just, yeah, just incredible, just incredible. Everybody's guilty and everybody's innocent all at the same time. Uh, both sides, exactly. Jews and Gentiles. Everybody, everybody has has played a part in the mess, and everybody is playing a part in the cleanup. So, it's just amazing, just amazing. Gosh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I want to really plead for Jewish listeners to come to faith. I don't know if we should talk about prophecy. I, I don't know. I want to appeal to our Jewish listeners just to take a small step toward Jesus, just a small step. It's on my heart. It's just the right thing to do. It's a right, yeah. it's a right call to make. Now, how can I not, how can I not say that? Absolutely. So Isaiah 53 is the portion that they need to understand. They don't, they don't read it. They don't have a chance to read it. Isaiah 53 is so important. Okay. Let's, let's just deal with one. Let's just deal with one possible objection to that. How do you deal with the fact that there was, in Isaiah 53, there was a sacrifice, I mean, it speaks of a sacrifice, a, a human sacrifice, and obviously God is not, God does not approve, condone human sacrifices. So how, how do you reconcile that, that there was a, a human that died for others? How, how do you work all that out? It was not just any human being. This was a God, especially with God, come in the flesh. Therefore, it's not just a human dying. It's God himself dying for our sin. Yep. So that's one object. The other thing is that the, the, the Orthodox and the religious people have come in modern times. This is only recently, when I say recently, the last thousands of years, but 
have come to say, well, Isaiah 53 is not talking about the Messiah, it's talking about the, the nation of Israel. And there's reasons why it really can't be the nation of Israel. First of all, up until just a, 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 thousand, a few thousand years ago, all the, the rabbis, the, the rabbinical scholars, the Talmud, all said this is messianic. They never used the name Jesus because he wasn't on the scene yet. And then when he did come, here's what happened. When Jesus came, they basically changed their their the 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 commentary on on it, and it made it sound like the nation of Israel. But there's no way that Isaiah 53 could be the nation of Israel. Right, that's an easy one. That should be an easy one. Yeah, it is, and I will. Uh, I'll tell you, it's just incredible. It, oh, there, there's a pronoun. Is the one of, one of the most important things. The pronoun. Mm. Mm. He. It says he, and let's take for instance verse three. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, well, who's the we? If he's the he, if it's Israel, then how can it be we? See, that's that's the the problem with with the, the pronouns right there. There's another problem if you go a little further. We hid, as it were, our face from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. There's another portion where he. Let's see. Well, we like sheep. Verse six, Isaiah fifty-three six. Or we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Mm. Well, how could, you know, we have turned away, and he took the iniquity. There's just so many very specific descriptions of our Messiah, of Jesus, Yeshua, when he was on the earth, right here in Isaiah 53. It's one of the most important messianic passages. Yeah. And unfortunately, our Jewish people don't read it. Well, I know one thing. You're doing your part, and I'm doing my part, I think, I hope, in getting that message out. And we're doing it in faith. Absolutely. We're doing it in faith and love uh, for Jesus and uh, other people. It's ama- it, It's just really, you know what? It's amazing and it's humbling because there's not much we can do other than to, to give and offer. Uh, and then the Lord, you know, does the rest. But it's um, just amazing. It's just, just amazing. Yeah. Our responsibility is to share the word and he is the one that's going to bring the increase and save our people. We just have to share the truth of scripture. One of the problems we have is the, the fact that our Jewish people are not putting their authority in the scriptures themselves instead of the rabbis and, and their biblical writing. We need to put our, our authority in, in the scriptures. And uh, the same thing happens in some church situations, that they're putting their authority in the, in the preacher and, and, and the commentaries rather than on the scriptures themselves. Gosh, good, good word. Good word, Israel. And, uh, hey, Uncle Izzy Howard again is, here. Uh, yeah, quick- hi, Howard. Quick story. Um, I grew up in the church. I grew up with flannel graph. I don't know if you guys remember that, but uh, oh, I remember that. We'd have flannel graph stories, and all the stories were about the Ark of the Covenant, the Tabernacle, the Temple, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Elijah, David, and Goliath, and and so a lot of us grew up. We never questioned that Israel was prominent in the scriptures. It you know never dawned on us. And about two years ago for Father's Day. My daughter, Abby, went into a bookstore, and she prayed. In the store, she asked the Lord what book she should get me. And she bought uh, When a Jew Rules the World. (laughs) And it was the first time I read a book like that, and I went, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) I (laughs) I never heard of this nonsense of replacement theology. So my eyes were opened a couple of years ago. Uh, Yeah, it's a book by uh, Joel Richardson, and uh, excellent book, and a very good point you made earlier on that. Oh, Joel Richardson is an incredible scholar. I know who that is. 
Yeah, he's really good. He, he wrote a number of great, great resources. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh, a few more questions that are sure, brother. that are apologetic in nature, without real anything deep, but it's they're significant. They were meaningful to me, and I, I love them. But the Shema and the uh, the Lord is one. Can you just comment on that? Yeah, sure. No problem. That is really a very important and interesting portion of Scripture. It's the watchwords of Israel. And one of the objections that I get from Jewish people is they say, well, you believe in, in uh, two, three gods. No, we do not believe in three gods, because the word that's used in Deuteronomy 6.4 is where the Shema, we call it the Shema, it really means hero Israel, Shema Israel, uh, is Echad. Echad is a very interesting Hebrew word. It means a plurality of oneness, a unity. Do you remember when the when the spies went in to the land uh, when when they were in the wilderness? It's Joshua and Caleb, and they had the right answer, and they, the others came back with the wrong answer. But they came back with one mm. bunch of grapes. That's the word that's used there, echad. It's unity in plurality. If they, God wanted us to be one, completely, absolutely one, then we use the word yachid. Yachid means absolute singular oneness. It's it's the same word yachid. Uh, excuse me, echad is the same word used in Genesis two twenty four, where God says that man leave his mother and father and become one. He shall cling to his wife, and they shall become one. That one, it's a compound unity. They become one. My wife is still my wife. I'm still me. But we're all one. One, that, that, one that flesh. Same idea. Yeah, one flesh, exactly. Uh, that's Genesis 2.24. And when, when Jesus is there, Yeshua was asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment and stuff, he repeats uh, the Shema in, Matthew, in Mark 12.29 and Matthew 19.5. And even the very Greek words that are used there are the same words, not for uh, total, complete oneness, mono, but it, it's the word for compound unity, the same idea. So anytime you see that in the scriptures, we understand it's oneness in compound unity. In Genesis chapter 1, if you remember the creation, if you really read it, you understand, let man make it, let us make man in mm. our image, us. Who's the us? We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So not only is the Shema important to understand, that it really gives us an idea of that triune nature, but there's a couple, maybe I can mention a couple other verses that are really, really significant. Are you familiar with Zechariah 12.10? Boy, this is such an important verse for me. And I will pour out upon the house of David, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. Mm -hmm. And they will look on me, me, whom they have pierced. That's two. Yes. They will mourn as one mourns for him. There it is. That's three. As one mourns for an only begotten son. But him who had pierced. Uh, that's the same word that's used in, in uh, Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. So, yeah, that's the three there. And another incredible verse, it uh, doesn't exactly give us three, but it sure gives us a plurality in the Godhead, and that's over in Proverbs 30, verse 4. <laughs> Proverbs 30, verse 4. This is such a good, he asks a question. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has... Bound the waters in a garment. Who has established the ends of the earth? 
Well, to talk about God, of course, mm -hmm. God the Father. What is his name? And what is his son's name? Hmm. If you know, I do. It's called Yeshua. <laughs> I know. That is such an easy, it's a, such an easy prophecy to remember. It's clean. It's Absolutely. simple. It's straightforward. It sticks. That's a beautiful one. Proverbs 30, verse 4. That's awesome. Uh, are, Amen. Do you feel like you're on a roll right now, Izzy? I hope so. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let me ask you a couple more things. Jew first, the concept. Just share. Yeah, sure. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 is one of my favorite. And just, you know, there's a lot of uh, scripture, talks about a lot of things, but when it comes to the Jewish people, the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation is full of requirements and, and full of examples and full of, mm. of teaching about the Jewish people. It's such a Jewish book from the beginning to end. I'm so glad that uh, God revealed it to me because I would have never have seen that. In in uh, Romans 1 and verse 16, it says that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So many times we forget and just say, okay, it's the power of God of salvation, so therefore it's the, God's power and they don't finish the verse. We don't. We have to keep the verse in context. It says, "For uh, not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Everyone who believes, that's everyone, that's Jews and Gentiles, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek or the Gentile. And then it goes on to say, for righteousness of God is revealed by faith, as written, the just shall live by faith. That's quoted from Habakkuk 2.4. Uh, out of the Old Testament, so it, it, salvation is always based on faith. But that phrase, for the Jew first, or to the Jew first, it says in, I think, the King James Version, to the Jew first, has to do not, you know, there's some people who say, well, they had it there, they had their chance, the Jew first, now it's uh, it's for the Gentile now. No, it doesn't quite work that way. This word, the Jew uh, You know, Izzy, right now, I was hoping that you were going to say this. I'm, I'm about to burst. I was hoping that you would get into the real the real story there. So go ahead. Go ahead and uh, yeah, share that. The whole Izzy. idea of this is it's a preeminence. It has nothing to do with the fact that they had it once and now it's the church's turn. And No, that's not exactly what we're talking We're talking about preeminent. It's always a Jewish message. By Jews, for Jews, for the rest of the world. And, and there's it, always a priority involved. And whenever we share the word... Now, if you go through the Book of Romans, Book of Romans in the Brit Hadashah, that's the Hebrew for New Covenant, in the New Covenant, if you go through Romans, Paul is always emphasizing the fact that he always made the Jews a priority. He went to a city, he'd always look for the synagogue first, he'd always talk to the Jews first. Now, but God is not through with the Jews. Then he wrote, you know, he, he talks about salvation by faith and faith alone uh, up until about chapter 8. And then 9, 10, and 11 is the Jewish section of the Book of Romans, God's uh, heart for the Jewish people. And he really says, what about the Jewish people? And that's when he says that God's not through with them, as we talked about earlier. So there's always a priority in Jewish, uh, in uh, the scriptures and teachings to understand that the message is a Jewish message for Jews, by Jews, and to Jews. And as we study the Bible, if those who are of a non-Jewish background that are listening realize that you need to understand the Jewish roots of our faith. You need to understand the prophecies, and not only the prophecies, but all the festivals, the feasts. They all point to Messiah. See, when you use the word Christ, my Jewish people say, Christ, oh, that's a Gentile thing. Not just Greek, for Messiah. <laughs> Meet right. the anointed one. <laughs> it was promised. So once we understand the Scriptures from a Jewish perspective and understand the privilege that a Gentile has, 
to be involved and to, to be part of, of what God has promised to the Jewish people, then we become all one in Messiah. Like I think you mentioned earlier at the beginning of the broadcast on Ephesians 2, how it talks about the one new man. Right. 2.10, I believe it is. Yeah. There's a it's, it's wonderful. It, it's wonderful. Izzy, I trusted in Jesus in 1988. I had a Amen. good good Christian life. I was discipled by good men. I was mentored by good men. I was active in the church. I love Jesus. I love people. I love sharing the gospel. But in the back of my mind, for 20-some years, it was, what, what about Israel? What about the Jewish people? What is the issue there? What is the problem? And I, I have to confess, I never sought out the answer. All I know mm-hmm. is, I was active in the church, and I would share the gospel with anybody, Jew or Gentile. It, it, it didn't matter. Amen. But how it all comes together and God's plan and so forth, it wasn't on my I didn't even think of the second coming. I never even thought mm. of I never thought of a kingdom. All I knew was that if wow. I got hit by a bus, my eternity was secure. That's how I thought. Right. But a kingdom concept and the second coming, they weren't there. So about five Amen. years ago... I start. I have some time. I've, the kids were older, and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna get some answers here. And the the whole the Abrahamic covenant, it's just amazing. It is, it, and then it, it all came together. And I'm so grateful to the Lord. I'm grateful for Israel. I'm grateful for the faithful remnant and the uh, the Messianic Jewish ministries that are out there that are blessing the nations. With good, with good biblical teaching, great resources, great studies, good people. It's amazing. And I thank you, Israel, for your faith and for our relationship, our connection, and to be a part of the One New Man. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Thank you. It's awesome to be, it's awesome to be in Christ. It's awesome to be in Messiah like this. It's great. Amen, brother. Yeah, it's a blessing to me to have Gentiles that finally understand the truth of Scripture and how the Jewish people fit into that plan, and just God's plan. I didn't make it up. Some people say, oh, you're blessed twice. No, I'm not blessed twice. I'm blessed in Messiah. We're all blessed in Messiah. But God's plan chose me to do this, and he has a job for me. I'm semi-retired now, but I'm still serving the Lord. I need to, I need to, convince, I need to do two things. I need to convey the message of salvation and Messiah Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, with my Jewish brothers and sisters that aren't yet believers. You know, Paul, when he talks about his uh, his brethren, mm-hmm. he calls them kinsmen according to the flesh. Kinsmen according to the flesh. That's the unsaved Jews. Mm-hmm. When he talks about believers, he calls them brethren. You know? mm. And... Uh, he doesn't call them sistrin because that's where you keep the water. That's something else. But anyway, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But anyway, the thing is that we need to be really emphasizing the Jewishness of our message. Not to be confused with some of the these uh, cultish organ- things that are saying, well, the, the Gentiles are now the lost tribes, and there, there's some very poor teaching out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it has to do with that replacement theology also. So that's right. another one of the problems. Awesome. Izzy? You know what? I like I said, we could we could go on for forever. Um Amen. I just I just love this. <laughs> well, what is there anything special that we can pray for for you? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would by like to way, ask we will, we will we will go on forever by the way. Uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Because, yeah, because uh, we're, we're going to live for eternity. That's one of the, just a blessing that God gave me. Uh you can pray for me. I am with Chosen People Ministries. 
So you pray for my strength in my golden years and my health and my wife, Judy, her, her strength. Both of us have continued to serve. We're going to continue to serve, with, especially with Shalom Brooklyn, that you had the privilege of coming on. I look forward to having you come back and join with us again, Joe. Uh, Joe and Howard, you can join us, too. We'd love to have you with us. It would be a real blessing. And uh, pray for our health. Pray for our, our support. Uh, my financial support is down, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm just – I just – Based my, my my ministry and my my income is only based on people that that uh, support with chosen people ministries. That's who we are, and uh, so we want to help uh, help the church and help Gentile people to understand. So we have some free resources and opportunities to be involved. I have a few things I, I can share with that too to pray if they would uh, want to get involved in that way. Okay, good. So like we talked earlier today. This will we'll get this uh, posted probably in another week or so, uh, maybe two weeks at the latest. We'll get this posted, yes, and I'll I'll send you the link. We'll put um, your name out there. Um, you know the yeah, the the podcast, a link to uh, the links that you use for outreach, and um, that'd be um, great. Uh, we'll just continue to do what what we need to do. So I'll mention um, just a couple of things, if yeah. I might. One is Isaiah 53 Explained is our book, our, our book on Isaiah 53 written by Mitch Glazer, our president. We want to offer that book free to anybody who wants to get get a copy of that book to understand uh, what Isaiah 53 is about. Maybe get a copy for their Jewish friends and that, and they get it one of two ways. One, they can call our, our, our toll-free number in New York at our international headquarters in Manhattan. It's 888 Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A, that's his Hebrew name, 1882-Yeshua, that's the Hebrew name of Jesus. Or they can go to Isaiah53.com and get the free book there. A real blessing uh, to, be able to, to be able to use that book to understand the prophecy of Isaiah 53 and to share it with your Jewish friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Yep, I'm glad you said that. And real quick story. So I went to the gym the other day. I had my Isaiah 53 shirt on. I walked into the locker room. A guy looked at me, and he kind of squinted his eyes a little bit, and he looked, and he said, Isaiah, he's looking. He's trying to see what it said. He said, Isaiah 35. And then he goes, oh, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> Isaiah 53. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy, oh, and boy. What uh -oh. an opportunity. I have a hat that has Isaiah53.com on it, and uh, one of and I walk around with my Isaiah 53 shirt also. So I have that. And that's a, a real amazing thing. And for those who are, are Gentiles that are listening in, I want to encourage them with a great verse for them. It's Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. So this is a challenge to Gentiles. For Zion's sake, I will not hold peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as the brightness and her salvation as a lamp. So God is calling the Gentile people to be a watchman for the Jewish people. Isaiah 62 goes on to say that he's looking for watchmen to watch out for the nation of Israel. I have set for six watchmen on the wall, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day and night who make mention of the Lord. Do not keep silent. Like, like we said earlier, we cannot keep silent. We have to share this message, Joe. Very, very significant. That was a good word. Israel Cohen, what a blessing. What a blessing. It was That was awesome. Good, challenging word. Anything else? 
Anything else well, you want to say? Well, one final portion of scripture is Romans. I love this. I love this verse of scripture. Romans. You, you know, I have uh, scripture so I can challenge people with scripture. Where other ministries, you know, you don't know about the the people from uh, Croatia and stuff, but, but from the scriptures, from Jewish scriptures, you can challenge people. Mm. And there's a great section of scriptures in Romans chapter 15. And this is, has to do with uh, your salvation, has to do with uh, the Jewish people uh, and, and the Gentile people's responsibility. St. Paul, Rabbi, so, you know, I thought St. Paul was a Gentile, of course, but it's Jewish. He says, uh, this is verse 22 of, of Romans 15, he says, For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you. He, he says in the beginning of the book, I'm going to come to you, but he never comes. But now longer I've, I've placed uh, in these parts... Uh, and I've gone a great desire to come and see I'm going to come. Whenever I journeyed to Spain, he had planned to go to Spain. He never got there, but he was planning to go to Spain. He's a planner for a hope to journey and be, uh, uh, be helped on the way. Helped on the way. I talk about financial support for the Jewish ministry. Mm. Uh, and But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. The, Jewish, the Messianic Jews in Jerusalem, he's talking mm-hmm. about. Verse 26. For it, it, it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia and Achaia are two Gentile churches in Asia Minor. They had taken up a collection for the Jewish people, the Jewish ministry in uh, Jerusalem. I make a certain contribution for the poor, poor saints, that's the Jewish believers. Yes, there's poor Jewish people uh, <laughs> in Jerusalem that were at the time. And I pleased them to, indeed. Uh, they are debtors. Mm-hmm. See, they saw their, the people in Macedonia and Achaia, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, Gentile believers, saw them as a debt needing repayment. For if, here it is, verse 27, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, they understood, Paul understood, this is a uh, salvation of the Jews, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. So there's a big challenge right there for the Gentile believers to be giving and praying and being involved with the Jewish people. Close with, with one additional verse, that's Psalm 122.6. We should know that by heart. I, uh, that's uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's the shalom of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that lovely. And when you pray for the shalom, you're praying for the Prince of Peace, the, the Sar Shalom, that's Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, that he would come to the Jewish people. So it's been Israel, a to be with you, brother. That was it was wow. it was great to be with you. You just you just blessed us and hopefully the listeners. It's Jesus is amazing. He's amazing. And uh Amen. it's good it's good to it's good to live like this. It's just really good to live Amen. like this. Um it might, it might be very, very significant if you'd like, if you can, that I, if we close our time out together with the ironic benediction that was given uh, to uh, uh, Moses, to Aaron through Moses, and from God to Aaron Moses to bless the Jewish people, and I can bless our listeners and bless everyone. Yep. And the English of the blessing. Do yep. you think that's appropriate, brother? Oh yeah, yeah. Amen. Twice in Numbers, Numbers chapter six, verse twenty-two and following, God spoke to Moses and speak to Aaron and unto his. This is the way you shall bless the Jewish people. You shall bless them. Yeshmadakha <laughs> <laughs> 
Shem Lecha, Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom and give you peace. Hashem, Yeshua Mishikain, in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Baruch Hashem Adonai. Bless us he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Izzy. <laughs> Thank you. God bless Izzy. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, brother. May God bless you and your family. Thank you so much. And by the way, fix it up for me, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, everything's going to be fixed up. It'll be good. Well, it'll take some time, but it'll it'll be good. It, it will be. Thank you very much. Thank bless you, you Israel. Thank you very much, Howard. God bless you. God bless you, bro. Good night. Okay, good night.